by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Ephesians 6.11 in the King James Version says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Say the wiles of the devil. Now, I may be dating some of y'all, but how many of you, when you were a teenager or so, or a kid, when those street lights came on, you were supposed to be home? Y'all remember that? <laughs> that was back before the day when we had cell phones. Parents couldn't really keep up with us, and they sure didn't want to keep us in the house all the time, so they'd let us run. But when it got dark, you better get home. And that's the way it was pretty much around my house. Uh, I remember one Saturday when I was about 14, I think, me and my buddy Hal, you heard some Hal stories, haven't you? <laughs> me and my buddy Hal heard that a guy named Keith Sykes was playing down at Overton Park. Anybody remember Keith Sykes, the Memphis artist that made it big? And we, we, we wanted to go. But, of course, at 14, we didn't have transportation to get there, so we found an older friend and talked him into taking us. Of course, we didn't ask mom or nothing like that. But we figure as long as we get back before dark, we'll be all right. We live in Whitehaven, so it's quite a drive from Whitehaven to Midtown. And so we get a, we get a ride, and we drive all the way there, and, and we get there. And I'm, I'm telling you, we were heathens of heathens back in there. We were prize-winning heathens. And so we immediately got in with a bunch that was, you know, dr- had beer and alcohol and stuff, and we start, they started shuffling us some, so we were having a good old time, so to speak. And we noticed the first couple bands, it wasn't Keith Sykes. We got to asking around, when's Keith Sykes? Oh, he don't come on until about 7.30 or 8. You know, he was the headliner. And we got to be home by then. And so the guy driving with us, he said, the ride, gave us a ride. He said, well, I got to go. I got to be home. And me and Hal's looking at each other, and we kind of got a little buzz by now, you know. We didn't want to miss Keith Sykes. So we made a decision, an informed decision that we should have known better. <laughs> we knew what the consequences would, probably be, consequences would probably be, but we said, well, you go on, we'll catch a ride. And he left. So we drank some more beers to numb our fear. And, and we stayed till after Keith Sykes. And when that Keith Sykes was over, we was like, uh-oh. <laughs> it was a good concert, but now, uh-oh, it's already about 9 o'clock. And Mama can't call me on the cell phone. She don't know how to get a hold of me. I'm, I imagine she's worried. And I'm starting to get worried. What do I do? Hal, we ain't got a ride. Anybody going to Whitehaven? So we start asking around, anybody going to Whitehaven? Nobody going to Whitehaven, but guess who? Old slimy, drunk yeehaw man. Slimy, mangy, shirt cut off, tattoos, hairy, pop belly, belly sticking out the bottom of his shirt, you know. I'll give you dudes a ride. Come on with me. I'm leaving right now. He goes over to this station wagon. I'm not kidding. It's got wood grain down the side. 
And so me and Hal are looking at each other. Well, it's all we got to, you know, it's the only way we're getting back. So we get in the car, and he crazy. Like, you say you, you little dude say you get a little you live and waving. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you can get us there, he cranks it up. I'm like, this thing don't have a muffler. I get you there, watch this. And it's got a big engine in it. I don't know what. He spinned out in the grass and jumped a curb over on the poplar. And he takes off down Union, and he's vroom, vroom, vroom. And I, and I look back, and Hal's like, boy, you really pick him. I'm like, me? And, we're, and, you know, he's got his hands clawed into the armrest, and we're, and I didn't know a mufferless station wagon could pass an 18-wheeler on one of those uh, own ramps to get onto the expressway in the hairpin turn. Have you ever got off a union to get onto the expressway and then it's got a merging lane? It's real dangerous location. Then you make a hairpin turn underneath the viaducts. We was underneath the viaducts and he decided he gonna pass an 18-wheeler with a trailer on it. Down the side. I don't know how we did it, but he made it, did you see that? Yeah, you know. He's driving down the road and I notice he flips his thumbs up. I'm thinking, what is it? Oh, he's trying to steer. <laughs> he's trying to see the roads. Keep on. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And me and Hal thinking, that might be our worst decision yet. We get a little bit down, you know, down the road a little bit further. And I said, um, th this is good enough. You can let us out here. He's all out. You little dude, see you living white haven. No, this is close enough. So he's, and we hopped out. He took off, yeehaw, and I wanted to say, yeehaw, too, that he's gone. I wanted to jump down on the ground and kiss him. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, but I knew we had too far to walk. <laughs> we better get started. Now it's about, you know, 10 o'clock, and we got about an hour to walk or so. And we walked, and we walked. We finally, you know, huffing it, and we look, get on our street, and we look down the road, and I see my house, and guess, guess what's on the front stoop? I'll tell you later. It wasn't good. But we'll get to that. We're going to get back on our series, Heaven is All Around Us. So far, we've been in kind of like basic training of spiritual warfare, meaning heaven is all around us. We've been talking about our weapons. We've been talking about being thankful. We've been talking about having firm footing, all the things that you've been here on the last past Sundays. <clears throat> this week, we're going to move into a different area, but I still think it's kind of in basic training category before we get out and actually fight, you got to take a look at who and what your enemy is. Anybody been to basic training? You, you probably talk a little bit about, you got to know who you're going to face, you got to know how to face them, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's message is entitled, The Boneyard Battle. If you're following along in your little sheets there, that's the first question, that you, the first blank. It's called the Boneyard Battle. Now, everybody knows who our enemy is, right? If not, we need to probably start way back from here. The devil, right? He's uh, crafty. He's clever. As Bobby Burton says, he's tricky. <laughs> he's real tricky. You know how tricky he is? Old Slewfoot is so tricky that he was your daddy right up to the point that you gave your allegiance to Jesus and you didn't even know it. He was your daddy and you never knew it. Are you right, Pastor, Bob, uh, Pastor Guy? Well, Jesus told the Pharisees, 
you're of your father the devil. We were born into the dead in sins and trespasses. Yes. We were born and he was our daddy. Thank goodness we came out of that relationship. But anyway, our scripture we read says to stand against the wiles of the enemy. What in the world is a wile? W-I-L-E-S. I kind of had an idea, but I looked it up and it says, devious or cunning strategies employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. And I said, boy, that's a, a word description of the devil. Devious, cunning, manipulating, and always trying to persuade you to do what he wants. Another thing I think he is is patient. I'll give it to him. He's got some he got more patience than we do because he's just as happy with you having a slow fade as he is when he sees your sudden demise. He didn't rush it. He didn't get out ahead of himself. Well, sometimes he does. He, he, he tends to be a little stupid. But, but he likes to see you on a slow fade. If you're, going, if you're just slowly sleep, slipping backwards, he's okay with that. He's not going to rush you. And if he's got you deceived, then you're on one or the other, a slow fade or you're headed for a sudden demise. This is a serious enemy we're talking about. I'm going to be honest with you today. We can't talk about rainbows and butterflies every Sunday. You, you want the full counsel of God's word, right? See, the devil, he studies our weaknesses and our lust, and he knows the laziness of our flesh, believe me. He plays on that big time. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy. It says great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Reminds me of that lion, that mangy old lion on the, the Lion King movie, Scar. Only this ain't no Disney movie. You know what I'm thankful for? Is if I stay out of that elephant boneyard, I know the only real weapon that he has against me is deception. See, that's why we're talking, because some of you don't know these basics. This is an overview of what we're, you know, just this basic training. We're not delving deep into it today, but we're going to talk about some simple things that will change your life when you understand that his main weapon against you is just deception. Yeah, well, I... I'm not worried about that. They don't scare me. Oh, yeah, well, he's doing just fine deceiving us into believing his lies so that we harm our own selves. He doesn't have to get all tricky sometimes. <laughs> all he's got to do is get you to believe a lie. And boy, we'll believe some. Because our flesh wants to believe certain things. We want to pick and choose what we want to believe out of the Bible, first of all. And a lot of times we just, well, that won't hurt me that much. Other people do it and get away with it. Oh, do they? Anyway, shh, come here. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you all a secret. There's people in this church today that are deceived. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. Why don't they know it? Because of because of. The definition of deceived is you're deceived. You don't know it. There's some people in here right now. 
I would say probably all of us in some area of our life are deceived and we don't even know it. It may be you. Consider that. No, not me. I know it's not you. Look at your neighbor and say, it may be you. I'm going to start a fist fight in here. What are you saying? Callan back there looking at everybody. Let's talk about the battle. Let's move on. Let's move on. I just want you to open your mind to think, hey, if you're deceived, you probably don't know it. So open your mind and let God speak to you today. Because God doesn't deceive. That's not his MO. God simplifies so that you can make a clear choice. God doesn't want you to make a cloudy, rushed decision, not really sure. He wants to, he is the original layer out of the hands. That's where I got it from when I was a young parent. I saw God did it. I said, I'm going to do that and see how it works. And let me tell you, it works. I would tell my kids, and you can ask them right here. Clean your room, and I, I won't whoop you. Or don't clean your room, and I'm going to give you a whooping. Which one do you want? When you lay it out simple like that, ten times out of ten, they're going to choose the right. You know, the devil would come in there and say, you know, you may or you may not. And if you did this, he would, he would have eight paragraphs of that little, bit of little bitty type, you know. But God just lays it out. He said, today I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. You choose. God's way is simple. He says, today I lay before you light and dark. Good and... Why are y'all on the bad side? Truth and lies. F flesh and spirit. God just lays it out simple. And when you chose Jesus, and you, you claim to have chose Jesus, right? You, you chose Jesus, then you chose to live. And you chose to live in blessing and light and goodness and truth in his spirit. That's what you chose to do. Colossians 1.12 says, always thanking the Father. That reminds me of last week. Because he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belong to his people who live in the light. See, there's an inheritance for us who, who choose to live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You chose right. God is just saying we got to continue to choose right, not to fall into deception. Continue to make good choices day after day, choice after choice. Why would a Christian who has been set free from darkness and brought over into his marvelous light and enjoying the peace and the joy of his presence ever want to delve back into the darkness? I see Christians saying, well, let me see how close I can get. Let me see if I can get over there a little bit and enjoy some sin and come back over here. Why would we ever be 
brought into the pride land and want to go back to the elephant boneyard. Would you show that video? That first clip? I just got a couple clips for you today. Ventured over into the dark side. This is it. We made it. Wow. Man, that looks funny. Really creepy, yeah. Isn't it great? We could get in big trouble. I know. <laughs> I wonder if its brains are still in there. There's only one way to know. Come on, let's go check it out. <laughs> The only checking out you will do would be to check out of here. Oh, man. We're way beyond the boundary of the Pride Lab. Plus, Banana Beak is scared. <laughs> it's Mr. Banana Beak to you, Fuzzy. And right now, we are all in very real danger. Danger? Ha! I walk on the wild side. I laugh in the face of danger. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 Banzai, what have we got here? Hmm, I don't know, Shenzi. Uh, what do you think, Ed? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just what I was thinking. A trio of trespassers! And quite by accident, let me assure you. A simple navigational error. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I know you. You're Mufasa's little stooge. I, madam, am the king's majordomo. And that would make you... Major king. Do you know what we do to kings who step out of their kingdom? Pugh, you can't do anything to me. Uh, technically, they can. We are on their land. But Zazu, you told me they're nothing but slobbering, mangy, stupid poachers. Stay on the Oopid's day. Who you call it Oopid's day? My, my, my. Oh, look at the sun. It's time to go. What's the hurry? We'd love you to stick around for dinner. Yeah, we could have whatever's lying around. Oh, wait, 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 I got one, I got one. Make mine a cub sandwich. What you think? <laughs> what, Ed? What is it? Hey, did we order this dinner to go? No. Why? Because there it goes! <laughs> there it goes. That's what we need to do. Run back to the Pride Lands. The devil whispers, just a little sin won't kill you, doesn't he? He doesn't tell you that sin is never satisfied. Is drugs ever satisfied? Don't you got to get a little bit more high next time? Try, you know, the gateway drugs become commonplace, and, and when you get your senses numbed a little bit, then you, somebody offers you a pill, then you're not thinking clearly, and you say, oh, well, I'll try that. It's always pulling you, always tempting you, always drawing you a little bit. The love of money. You don't have to be rich to love money. Poor people can love money. They can spend all their time working for it. Neglect their family. Run down to casinos and spend their food money. Trying to make money. And then you got the rich billionaires got more money than they could ever spend, but they'll kill people for more to put in the bank that they'll never be able to spend. Sin is never satisfied, and I'm not even going to talk about the progression of pornography. Well, just a little bit. You click on one thing you shouldn't have clicked on, and it gives you a whole new set of options. You click on that, 
then you feel bad, and I'm not looking at that anymore. But next time, that's an acceptable level to you. And then you, you click on that, and then it gives you another whole option. Have you noticed how the devil works? He's drawing you in. Next thing you know, you're Ted Bundy or something. It's not funny. All those serial killers started out with pornography, if you'll research it. None of them thought they were going to be a serial killer. But if you will let yourself go and you'll let the devil take hold, he will take you step by step to a place you didn't think you would ever go. And all of us are smart enough to know that. Somewhere you've got to get off that train. And if you could get away with it, like the devil wants you to believe. See, we all think we're the exception. I can do it and get away with it. We all think we're the exception. <laughs> but God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. You're not the exception. God's, God says you're not the exception, and I can guarantee you you're not the exception. I know you're his favorite and all, but you will reap the consequences of your sin if you keep going in that direction. And my point is, even if you can get away with sin, what about Jesus? What are you going to do with that? Okay, so you can get away if you think so. But how's that going to affect somebody who gave his life on the cross so that you could be set free from that? Man, that's got to be disheartening. It's got to interrupt your relationship. Right? Don't think about how close you can get to darkness. Think about how close you can get back to Jesus. That's where you're going you're gonna to find love and life. Now, on the other hand, you know, there's, there's Christians who think they're too spiritual to sin. devil loves you to think that, that you've got it all in the cold. never happened to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Be careful. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. I can't get into spiritual pride because that's a sin. Don't think that you're not capable of sinning. Understand that you still live in a, in a fallen world, in a human body, in this flesh, and you still have to make right choices. I know you're super spiritual and everything right now, but watch yourself because that's another devil's tricks, getting you over into spiritual pride. See, I, I must humbly continue to remove the log from my eye so that I can see clearly to help you move, remove the speck from your eye. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Have I given any excuses for sin so far? Have I said that, man, it's just inevitable, we're going to sin, we're all going to fall, we're just so weak, we can't make it? God forbid. I don't want to make it sound like that, but I don't want to be unrealistic either. Romans 6.10 says, when he, meaning Jesus, died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now he lives, and he lives for the glory of God. That's the way we should do it. 
We live and we should live for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and to alive to God through Christ Jesus. Just think of that, like Brother Tom said, let that beast be dead. That old man, just let him be dead. And consider yourself alive. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely. Isn't that what we prayed uh, during the worship? I give myself away. Give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Sin is no longer your master. You have no obligation to it. God has made a way of escape. You are no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And that grace is to empower you not to sin. Not like some people think, I have grace, so now I can sin. God forbid that you should be set free and then crawl your way back into the cell. Hoping the door don't shut on you again. Stay out of the elephant boneyard. I'm going to give you a quote from Aidan Wilson Tozier. You may want to write this down and think on it. This is a good one. No one can know the true, tra- uh, true grace of God who has not first known the fear of God. You want to know how grace works? You need to know who you're dealing with. You need to have a healthy fear of God. So what's the victory? Well, you know, Colossians 2.14 says Jesus counseled the record of the charges against us and he nailed it to his cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers in authority. He took their teeth. That's why the, the devil's like our lion. <laughs> he's not a real lion. He's toothless. Jesus took his teeth away. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We have victory, and it's Jesus' victory. If we choose to stay in Christ, then we will stay in victory. But did you hear what Zazu said? Well, technically, if we're over on the devil's territory, (laughs) we have removed ourselves from our protection by your decision. See, we choose to stay in Christ. We choose the victory. Everything in your life hinges on your decisions. God won't make them for you. The devil can't make them for you. It's you who choose. Your life hinges on your decisions. It's a choice. We only sin because we choose to. The devil didn't make you do it. Who said that? Back in the old days. Flip Wilson. No, the devil didn't make you do it. He was just joking. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different than others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I know when I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and, and I'll say, I'm looking at something, oh, I shouldn't look at that, but I, my flesh wants to look at that, but I shouldn't look at that. 
I get a shaking on the inside. The Holy Spirit begins to deal with me. Don't look at that. And that's God giving you a way out. He's dealing with you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Choose the way out. Choose to put on Christ. Take off the old man. Take them raggedy old filthy clothes off of unrighteousness and put on the new man. It's made in the image of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're running low on time. I'll just tell you to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all that, have the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, you have armor to put on. You need to put those on every morning. How do I put on some words, Pastor? I don't have a literal. You put on an understanding of those things. Let me, let me tell you what I wrote about each one. The belt of truth. The belt of truth will give you the weapon to conquer the devil's lies. When you know the truth, the lies are exposed. The breastplate of righteousness covers your heart with peace and knowing you're right with God. A righteousness. I'm right with God. My heart likes it behind that breastplate. I don't want to veer out. I don't want to, to hurt him. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Man, your feet are on the move. You're preaching the good news everywhere you go. Your hands ain't got time to fall into idleness, which is the devil's workshop. See, you got purpose. And above all, take that shield of faith. It's quenching all the fiery darts and suggestions that the devil's throwing at your mind. If you're just sitting there and the devil's just saying, hey, man, you need to go in the, and get a, get a beer. Or you need to go do this, or you need to go clubbing tonight, or whatever. Devil's just, you need to get up and do something else. You don't need to just argue with him. You need to replace what you're thinking with something good. Remember what we talked about thankfulness does? Get in the Word of God. Get up and call a brother. Do something. Don't sit there under that pressure. Don't allow him to speak. Put up that shield of faith and quench those fiery darts. Fight the good fight of faith. This, this ain't something you roll over on. Most of us don't realize there's a war going on for our souls, for the soul of mankind, for, the, for how we're going to, whether we're going to be successful or not. And you all have the tools. We have the same tools. We have the same 24 hours to make a difference in this world. Put on the helmet of salvation. Because it protects your mind with an eternal confidence. Man, I know I'm saved. I'm, think, I'm eternally minded. I have, a, I have salvation and everything that includes. And I know what the weapons of my warfare are. And I take that spirit, that, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it confirms to me. It tells me what all my promises are. And I know they're all yes and amen in him. And I dig in here, and I find out another sword, that's another jab that I can give the devil when he comes at me. He tells me this, well, I tell him no, just the way Jesus did in the wilderness. He tried to twist things, and Jesus said, no, no, you can't twist it, because I know what the Word of God is. I am the Word of God. You can't twist it with me.
I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the secret to living an overcoming life. Are you ready for a heavy revy? A new revelation? Man, are you excited to know how to overcome in this life? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to break it down for you. This is a secret. Okay. Pray. Read your Bible. Live a life that worships God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Be faithful to your church. If you do these things, these basic things, you'll never fall. There is no new heavy revy. It was laid out from the beginning. God made it simple. He's not trying to hide it from you. You get away from the basics and you'll go astray. And when a sheep goes astray, what happens? They're the ones that fall prey. That's the ones that the devil can pick off easily. That's why some of you are in church now and you're thinking, I better stay here. Because I wasn't doing so good when I wasn't going to church. Get all these, you know, smart people who say you don't need church, even though it was God's idea. That's what Jesus is doing. I don't need church. I can just, me and Jesus, you know. You're out there by yourself, you're going to get flaky and you're going to get picked off. We need one another. God designed it that way. Say amen. amen. So what do you do if you wind up in the elephant boneyard? Run. Run. They took off. That was smart. Confess your sins to God. Cry out for mercy. 1 John 1, 9. If, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He'll give you a fresh start. And how many times can you do that? Well, they asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? He says, seven times 70. And he's just talking about one day. 490 times in a day. I think you're good. I hope. I'm not saying you should sin 490 times. See if you can get away with it. I'm just saying. Just keep coming to him. So many people run from him. They, they, you know, I know people who will come to church and do good and then... They fall into some sin, and they stop coming to church because they think everybody's going to be mad at me. Everybody's going to be disappointed. God's mad, and they run from God. That's the exact thing the devil wants you to do. This is your family. We're here to support you. We don't eat our hurt and wounded. We ain't supposed to. We're a hospital of hope. And we were fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in their lives again. We restore. We help one another. And that's you. And if you pray and ask for help, Mufasa will come to the rescue. Play that video. And we're going to close here in a minute now. Come on, we're gonna shut up right now.
time. If you ever come near my son again. Oh, this is this is your son. Oh, yours. <laughs> Did you know that? No, me. I, I didn't know. No. Did you? No, of course not. No. Ed. <laughs> Doodles. Deliberately disobeyed me. Dad, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's go home. I thought you were very brave. Look who's up in the corner. Oh, I hate Scar. So you come back to Jesus. I didn't say you wouldn't be disciplined, because that would be for your own good. I didn't say there wouldn't be consequences, because that's just going to happen. You can pray for God's mercy and, and pray that he would help you with the consequences that you have bought for yourself. Don't be a Samson. Every one of you here have potential out of this world. Every one of you. God has gifted, empowered to do great and mighty exploits for the kingdom. And Samson had a vow before God. You have a vow before God. You have vowed to serve and to love him. Didn't you? But see, Samson kept playing with dead things. He kept going into dark places. He kept company with evil people. Until one day, he woke up in the lap of Satan himself. And he was caught in a trap. And he didn't realize that the very power of God that he had counted on was missing. It was gone from his life. He had no power now. He had become like one of them. And they poked his eyes out. Took away his vision. And he never became what God had intended for Samson to become. It was a slow fade. But it ultimately led to his demise. Didn't it? So don't be a Samson. You have Samson potential, but do something with it. Anyway, when we came walking down the street that night, we looked up and there was Mama. <laughs> Not just my Mama, Hal's Mama. Both of them sitting there about 12 o'clock at night. Hadn't heard from their boys. They were chewing nails and ready to chew our tail. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They got all up in our business. Hal's mama took him home, and I began to tell mama, Mama, it, it wasn't my fault. Hal talked me into going. Hal showed me how to steal beer out of the coolers. Hal told me to stay, stay there and not come home. Hal told me to get in the car with this guy, and, and I tried to blame everything on Hal. But she saw past that. And I was grounded for life. <laughs> Technically, I'm still grounded. <laughs> Don't be grounded for life. We suffered through that, and we still kept doing boneheaded things. We still lived on the dark side, but that was, that was before I knew Jesus. Don't do that. 
And some of you are in the habit, maybe, of listening to a sermon on Sunday mornings and saying, that was good, I've got me a little knowledge, and then you leave and you just dismiss it. Don't do that either. God is trying to speak into our lives. These messages are not by accident. They're meant to change you. To give you the weapons so that you can win this war, that you don't have to be a Samson. You don't have to become a drunken yeehaw man. And you don't have to be grounded for life. You can be free. Micah 6, 8 says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right. To do what is right. Is that so hard? To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, your adoption process into God's family came with some heavy fees. But you're not of your old father, the devil, anymore. Now, now that you've got a new dad, my suggestion is choose him. Every decision you make, choose him. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose to walk in the Spirit. Choose to forgive. Choose to love. You know, you know him. Choose to be like your new dad. Make up your mind that I'm never going back. I'm never going back. Why would we? Heaven is all around us. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.